We're back. We're back with our giggles and fun. Get uh back streets back. The, All right. The boys are back. <laughs> oh my god. I saw that thought transmit from the back of your head up until down into your mouth and then out of your mouth. <laughs> I could see Corbin Blue dancing in my head and it would just needed to make its way to the surface. That song is kind of good. No, you know who's an underrated character? Kelsey. Kelsey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Queen. She's but also uh, Troy Bolton's dad. <gasps> Please don't do this to me right now. Oh my god. I'm in... Can we put that TikTok in this thread? Can that be the first thing of the season? Yeah. Troy Bolton's dad yeah. is a filth. Like... Yeah, he is. Big time. I'm in love with him. I'll admit it. He's, he's everything that David Duchovny wanted to be in his yeah. old age. Okay. Neither of them are old, you know what I mean? Later yeah, in, in, in his in his higher up age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't get old, you just get higher up. <laughs> That's how aging works. Or lower down. Any anyways. How have you been? Well, let's just say that um 2020 did not end the way that I had anticipated it was going to, and 2021 did not start the way I had anticipated it was going to. Mm. And that's, that's but, it. But you made it through. Emily's a fucking badass bitch. If you, you've never met a stronger person, I'm telling you right now, I'm informing you that it's Emily. Why are you doing this? What? It's true. Okay. Thank you. I love you. It's true. That's it. Um, I got a death threat yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I could feel you pulling back, so I just thought I'd refocus. I think that's perfect. And I was there. I witnessed the whole thing. I watched it happen. Yeah. Not for many of you, no listeners. Just a... Oh, yeah. No. Um, I didn't want to meet up with a boy because, you know, I don't know if you've heard of the pandemic we're in, but there's one. We're in a pandemic? Yeah. Oh. Um, and I didn't want to meet up. And apparently, um, now I should die. <laughs> From COVID, ironically. A slow and painful death, I quote. But you know what's fun about that? He said, gross alien-looking cunt bitch. So Mulder! (laughs) So Mulder, Mulder, if you're listening. (laughs) Mulder, if you're listening, I'm the girl for you. (laughs) But it was funny. Yeah, men are disease. It was funny because before Stevie and I, like, before this escalated it just kept getting worse like gradually every hour yeah cv reacted and i already knew that he um had already dropped into one of her inboxes swearing like a 12 year old who just learned how to swear literally just putting together asshole asshole whore whole your whole ass He he's also called you a slut bag, which I thought was funny. I know I felt good. Like about what that even? One. What is that? What does that mean? I don't know, but I'm happy to be one. Like I'm, what is that? I am a slut bag. <laughs> I say it with pride. <laughs> Little does he know that you've watched Sex Education and you've seen Amy be called a sl- a slag, and so fucking what? Yeah, so fucking what? It's not. It's so interesting because like men think that that's an insult but it's like so many women have reclaimed have reclaimed that word and it's like refer to themselves as sluts it's like you can't hurt me like i already 
I'm I take pride in that. The the biggest thing for me was that his biggest insult was that I'm a fucking pale curly headed bitch. <laughs> and honestly, if that's the lowest you could go, I feel pretty fucking hot because you are that is right. I'm pale and I am curly headed and I am a bitch. Peace sign. Damn straight. You know. A man told me that I didn't exist, which I again, I are, I also already knew that. You're like, I think about this every day. What do you mean? Like, trust me, if I couldn't exist and be, if I could not be perceived, I would trust me. Yeah, I'll I'll take you up on that. He's like, you're not even real. You're like, I wonder that every day. You're right. I'm not fucking real. <laughs> I'm a figment of your imagination. I... Do any of us really exist? <laughs> Do or are we all aliens? Are we all? Maybe that's what he was trying to say. Oh my god. Anyways, so right now I, I think it's funny, but this will probably bother me in a week and I'll probably be discussing the nuances of the way that I'm reevaluating my trauma because of this experience later on. But right now I just think it's silly. As you should. Yep. Stevie and I had like an extensive conversation about this last night. And the night before, because um, it was like a journey. Like the, And the night before. The night before, Stevie and I truly like cracked the code of the male uh, bro- gaze broke down yeah broke down the male gaze and wow it was a journey it was a journey what was the big takeaway the big takeaway was that like all that ultimately matters is that your oh the big takeaway was that um whether you f- you can f- you fit into stereotypes that men desire or you you exist outside of those stereotypes we're talking about like traditional femininity yeah you're still being perceived under a male gaze because one just it the only difference is is one is a male day gaze of desire and the other is a male gaze of uselessness yeah and so you might as well do whatever the fuck you want because no matter what you're going to be exactly the male gaze just existing exactly yep yeah that made it sound really simple it it took us a long time to get there we went through many phases it took us such a long time (laughs) yeah should we get into the question yeah let's do it so we have two questions today that are kind of they overlap so we're going to address them both do you want me just to read them both off the bat yeah okay so the first one is um oh my god this question is from a month ago (laughs) jesus we did not intend that. That's that's completely my fault, and I'm sorry. I missed all of you, and I missed you, Stevie. It's not your fault. Oh, my God. We were going to take a break anyways. It's fine. Um, so this first question is, okay. do you have any advice on how to stop being so weighed down by what other people think of you? Are there little things that you could do every day that might help you quiet the fears about how other people might be judging you? That's the first one. Um, the second one is... Hey guys, I was wondering if you have any thoughts on how to keep all the shit, be it misogyny, racism, homophobia, transphobia, etc., from fucking up your mental health. <laughs> because adding to all the things that come up from being a queer Latin woman in our society, I personally struggle with a lot. I, for, I personally struggle a lot with feeling like I'm being passive or complicit while enjoying anything in life, even when I know that my well-being is separate from my activism and my work in trying to change it and be aware and educated about it. Do you, want to, do you want to do the first one yes. to kind of go off of our male gaze yeah, yeah, yeah. little um, tidbit? Yeah, let's do the first one first. Um, I feel like it's hard because Stevie and I were just talking about this last night. And I think like existing outside of and overcoming and growing out of um, being able to 
not let other people's perceptions of you like hound you Mm -hmm. is a lifelong journey and I think like some people just get there quicker than others but but even when you're there like you're not really there there some days are better than others and like you know that's life yeah such is life such is life such is life we talked really in depth last night about how it, it's all truly a, a slow process and it's like the worry or anxiety over what someone's opinion is of you isn't going to go away overnight but the rational thought that comes in to put that irrational feeling in check will start to happen faster and faster like it might be a yeah. few hours of feeling anxious and then you're like no wait why am I feeling this way like this doesn't rationally make sense and then you can like put that feeling in check and then it might be it you might get to a point where it's like literally in the same moment you're like no wait and then it just and then we were both totally. like I'm sure at some point then the rational thought just becomes what takes over and you don't even have the irrational thought exactly yeah like people are going to have an opinion about you no matter what you do which is essentially what we were just saying yeah. Like whether you conform in a way um, or you exist completely outside of the realm of stereotype, like people are still going to have something to say to you. Exactly. And because by the sheer nature of the fact that everyone's perceptions and everyone's opinions of you will be different, that is proof alone that you have absolutely zero control over how people perceive you. Yes. And all of those perceptions, it's also important to remember that like all of those perceptions and how people see you are more greatly influenced by what that person is dealing with, like yeah. what that person is going through, how that person perceives themselves mm-hmm. more so than what they see in you and what yeah. they see in front of them. Like That's so true. It's 100% more of something that is for them to look inward on more so than it is an expression of anything that's true or false about you exactly it's it's truly just a reflection of them and it has little to nothing to do with you and i think a big separation that i try to do is that like if somebody has an opinion on something that i post or an outfit that i'm wearing or whatever it's literally just that it's an opinion on a post it's an opinion on an outfit it's not reflective of me as a person it's not has nothing to do with that um and it's just showing their insecurity and like the fact that they're putting energy into it doesn't mean that i need to and i feel like one of the first like deep conversations that you and i had um was about how at the end of the day you only come home to you and you come home to And that's the only person that you have any obligation to your whole life is yourself. So objectively, the only opinion of yourself that matters is your own. So do what sets your soul on fire, to quote Emily all the time. Literally. (laughs) That's like my favorite thing to say. It, It applies in so many situations. Like you ultimately, at the end of the day, like you have to come home to yourself every single day. Mm-hmm. no matter how and stevie and i have talked about this a lot not to go too much off of on a tangent but like that is why we have such strong feelings for ourselves like whether <laughs> they be one way in a positive way or in the opposite way in a negative way because you can't escape yourself yeah so it's like if you have a problem with yourself like you have to face it immediately like there's no running there's no from running from that yeah There's no running away from how you're feeling. And it's like, unless, you know, obviously you start to repress everything, but then like that manifests in different ways of self-harm. So it's It's like- It's still not going to go away. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's like very, very valid to feel like people's perceptions of you are weighing down on you Mm -hmm. because they 
once they like say it, it's out there. And it's like that becomes something like you then have to absorb and that you then have to sit with. And whether you know the perception or not, like you don't, you might not even know the perception, but like you might just the act of knowing that people are judging you or like thinking about what they might be thinking, like you're forced to sit with all of that. So like, of course that's going to be so heavy to deal with. Yeah. But it's like the sooner that you sit with that and you break it down, like the fact that you even asked this question, the fact that you are actively trying to break that down is already such a good step. And I think too, like, it's all about honoring yourself. And I know that this sounds really stupid, but like hyper-focusing on pleasing other people and what other people want of you um, will stunt your, your growth mm-hmm. so, so much. And I'm struggling with that now a little bit, but I mean, I'm in a much better place than I would have been like even a couple of months ago, but, mm-hmm. um, I am really close with my grandparents and they are very old fashioned and they have a lot of, um, traditional views, particularly mm-hmm. of women Um, that don't align with how I want to express myself. Mm -hmm. And so there's, and it's of course even harder when it's people that, you know, you love and know love you, like when it's perceptions like that. But it's like, I just keep saying to myself, like what sets my soul on fire? Like, does the idea of getting tattoos set my heart on fire? Does the idea of, you know, getting more piercings set, like what anything what outfits that makes me happy what outfit feels like i'll be honoring how i really want to style myself mm-hmm. like and ultimately that is what matters exactly. because you face the person you face and i know i'm going i'm sorry but you face the person who has a perception of you for like maybe an hour maybe like a couple hours maybe a few minutes yeah. maybe like a few seconds that's a great point you're consistently facing yourself mm-hmm. make her make her happy i know mm-hmm. when we were talking about like that's so true because you, it, 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 what matters most is how you're feeling about yourself. I know where I struggle is discerning. Sometimes I don't even know because the male gaze is so convoluted. We were talking about this the other night that where I'm like, do I feel sexy because I feel sexy or do I feel sexy because I know someone's going to look at me and think that. And so that's because, a, like, yeah, that's a larger problem to break down, but being aware of it is a step towards breaking it down. Absolutely. You solved that for me. Sorry. When you were saying like when taking pictures of yourself or whatever, because that's what we were talking about, that just instead of focusing on what angle is going to look best, focus on like closing your eyes and moving and do like do some kind of movement Mm -hmm. and like in focus on what you're feeling sensor sensorily. And that sounds like a word. And um, sense (laughs) sensory sense. No, that's not it. Sensorily. No. Focus on what feels what good. What feels good with your sensory thing, with your sensors, you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I have uh-huh. a college degree. All five senses. Oh, all five, five senses? Four, four, five, know. all of them. Who's to say? Taste, <laughs> taste, touch, what? taste, touch, smell, sight, oh, sight. hearing. Are those senses? <laughs> Yeah. Um, Anyways, the point was that like when you're taking pictures to like just focus on what feels good physically. There we go. What a simple way to describe it rather than what's going to be appealing just visually. Exactly. And the point that Stevie and I like broke down and like why that that would make sense and why that's important is because 
because we were trying to figure out like what happens if like conforming to a traditionally feminine or traditionally hypersexualized version of a woman makes you feel good like exactly. what if that makes you feel happy and how to rationalize that because of course that is what matters but then how do you discern between the fact that like does it make me happy because i feel good or does it make me happy because i know that like the person that i'm sending this to will find it appealing and that what cv said solves that completely is like if you just start moving and you just start doing what you want and you remove this is so much easier said than done and like i can come up with like two ways maybe <laughs> where that are like tips that i like would recommend yeah. but yeah but once you start moving and once you start like embodying yourself in a way that feels good mm -hmm. as opposed to and it's like this goes back to like you know the my favorite fucking margaret atwood quote of like we're all women are just like their own voyeurs yeah whole but it's Fuck. like it, it's once like you try to remove yourself from that once you try to remove yourself from that and you focus on what feels good like maybe that ends up manifesting as a very traditionally feminine version of yourself right and like and that's, that's okay, okay. Oh, he said that at the exact same time. Right. But it was like, I was just talking. Like, with my, that's okay. Yeah. I was talking with my, with my mom about this not that long ago because um, we were, I was talking about like how fucked up the notion of like having no body hair is. Right. And she was like, but what if I like shaving and like, and I like wearing heels and stuff? Like, does that make me a bad feminist? I was like, no, not at all. First of all, you mm. live in a fucked up patriarchal culture that your life's going to be harder if you break those um like beauty standards and so it's very totally. valid like women women who women who are are bald like women who shave their heads um um Flor florence talks about it in her book <laughs> she was saying like the amount of times that she's considered shaving her head because she knows that that will attract less male attention simply by the fact that she will look like less of a quote-unquote woman mm -hmm. like from behind from yep. the side just because of that simple removing of your hair mm -hmm. of long hair um but it's like that might not make her happy exactly and so and that's so valid yeah so ultimately like i think it's just telling yourself all of these things mm -hmm. it's like like you know i went out today and i felt very loud in my outfit <laughs> and i was like you know what i'm not really feeling it physically um, and mentally, but I was like, but I bought these clothes for a reason. Oh yeah. So clearly I liked them and clearly I felt like I would feel good in them. I currently have a beanie on that's bright pink that mm. says dump him. Iconic. My sweatshirt says women come first. Um, You're my favorite. I have right? a huge, um, what a duster coat. Is that like the long one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, with fur around, fake fur, it's not real. Fuck that. Um, right. Around my, the collar. Like, it's I'm so just hot. all over the place. But I feel like, you know, and I went to go get my breakfast this morning and I was like in a health food store where everyone was in like Lululemon. And I was like, you know, I looked like a fucking pimp. But I was As like, you, you know what? Amazing. I don't care. <laughs> That's iconic practice kind of makes perfect fake it till you make it yeah. all of those kinds of things and i know this question wasn't about confidence but i think that still applies 
I mean, caring about what other people think of you and confidence are interlinked. 100%. The last thing I just wanted to say was like, the only thing that I would recommend aside from just like embodying it until it feels so natural that like, mm -hmm. it feels like you is just, um, just doing like saying, writing, journaling, putting in, putting it as your background on your phone, mm -hmm. just like daily promises to yourself. And that can be anything like that can like range from physical wellness that yeah. promises that you want to make to yourself to like saying that you want to, how you want to dress that can be, um, you know, just affirmations that you want to start embodying. Like you yeah. want to start living your life without having your peripheral, peripheral vision have to be like shaded because you don't want people to perceive you like things yeah. like that. And so I would say that, um, I would say also focusing on non-physical as well as physical, because both of them are equally as important and make you the whole and, um, abundant person that you are. Um, but other than that, I don't really have any, yeah. like they definitely helps the quiet, but quiet the fear. I think for me, I'm like really fixated right now on breaking down what I think others will will like versus what actually I like. Like, and because those are yeah. very interconnected for me and I'm having a hard time separating them. And something I just thought of that you could do if like anybody else is interested in breaking that down because it definitely will take away caring about what people think. Um, mm -hmm. It's like, especially because everyone's in quarantine right now. Like in terms of like finding like outfits and like what your appearance is, like play with different looks and aesthetics and see what you feel best in when you're not seeing anybody, like you don't see anybody else. That, yes, I was actually going to recommend that too. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Like doing a little fashion show in your bedroom. with And don't show anybody. Don't take pictures. Don't yeah. send it to anybody. Just do it for you and see what feels best. Totally. Or like it, if like if you're at home for weeks, I know a lot of people are right now. Truly, like every day, have a different like style. Like play with it. Yeah. And, and see which one you feel best in. And maybe it changes every day. Like maybe some like maybe you feel good in all of them. That's amazing. I agree with that 100%. I love trying on clothes in my bedroom. Me too. <laughs> I love getting dressed up when I'm not going to see anybody. Like just for me, truly. Me too. My favorite. Yeah. But then I simultaneously love being in my PJs all day and not putting anything on my face and leaving my hair as grimy as possible. Like I, I have love for both. It's about balance. Baby. Yeah. As you should. Yeah. As we should. As we should. To transition. To, do you want to transition to the next question? Yeah. Okay. So it. we were talking about like how doing like just the, as much as you can in terms of like breaking from the male gaze and like breaking from other people's perceptions of you only doing what is feasible to you and what you like take off little bits of a time i think that fully applies with activism as well and i think that um like let's say calling in your father at the dinner table is something that's going to launch you into full into a full-fledged panic attack don't do that like there are so yeah. many forms of activism and there's no correct way to be actively anti-racist or actively fighting the patriarchy, whatever. Um, and so like, let's say calling in a family member and having those really difficult conversations is what sets your soul on fire. Fucking do it. If it's online discussions and spreading awareness, amazing. If it's marching and fundraising, fucking rad. It's like um, all of these are valid avenues and you have to prioritize your well-being and mental health before diving into these avenues because if you don't have that, you're not going to be of any service at all. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I agree. It's just doing what you can in the capacity that you can. Yeah. And that truly applies to everything and specifically, specifically this. Yeah. And I think too, I, I was unsure how this person wanted the question answered because I think what you said is one possible avenue. And mm-hmm. then I think, which I want to get into, um, but I think like another possible avenue is just like, how do you just cope when like, yeah, like all, when all of those things, like all of those isms are, and, and phobias are so, have so infiltrated every single thing that we consume like, how do you actually enjoy every anything? Yeah. And I struggle with that. And I struggle with the other interpretation of this question, which is just like, how do I literally do anything that I enjoy without feeling like I'm letting all of these systems that are racist and sexist and homophobic flourish? Yeah. And I think for the first one, it's like, it feels like, yeah, like it feels at this point, like eventually every single piece of media, every person like is ruined at some point because oh, yeah. it's, it's getting rid of the notion of perfection. It's not going to exist in anything. Totally. Even yourself. Like exactly. And I think that that is just kind of something that like, it's your, it's really your judgment call. Yeah. Like if someone, it, it really just depends on what, how much you are willing to tolerate. And it sounds like you're willing to tolerate none of it. And so in that, which I agree, I would say find, you know, women-led media, yeah. find, you know, um, businesses run by people of color, like things like that, because we're very lucky that we exist in a time where that is possible. Mm-hmm. It's really hard, um, but it is very, it is possible yeah. to surround yourself with those kinds of um, um, like joys in life. So there's a Dr. Tema quote that says, um, spend more time connecting with those who are sanctuary. There's enough stress in the outside world. Cultivate peace in your personal relationships. Like that's very much something that you can do to actively combat all of these isms that are understandably weighing down on you. Like, of course, how could they not be? Exactly. And it's really focusing on your interpersonal relationships, both with your close friends and loved ones and with yourself. Absolutely. Um, And just like Stevie said earlier, like you won't be able to commit to activism if your mental health is compromised. Exactly. But at the same time, like the nature of fighting such a suffocating and oppressive system, like it's going to deteriorate, deteriorate your mental health to a certain extent because you give a shit. One, because you give a shit and two, because you're affected by it. And so- Ultimately, like, again, it comes, it circles around to, you know, what's best for you and you know, when too much is too much and you're absolutely not a bad person for, and you're not being complicit no. um, yeah. for enjoying things because even in the most dire and the most cruel situations and environments, there are moments of joy mm-hmm. because there has to be Yeah, like, and I just saw a video somewhere And this person was talking about how their therapist essentially said to them that the goal of life is not to be happy. It's to be at peace Mm -hmm. because happiness is an extreme, just like sadness is. Mm, And so, and so if you can find a medium, like where your activism exists in that state where it's both fulfilling for you personally, and you've made 
spaces where, you know, your friends and your community is your sanctuary, but you're also equally um, fulfilled in how much you're participating in activism and breaking down these structures, then of course, there's going to be moments where the activism will spike or it'll drop to one of those extremes and those moments will inevitably affect your mental health more but mm-hmm. learning that's just you know coping mechanisms in those moments like fucking what we're dealing with right now yeah like this is a huge spike in in activism and calling your representatives and like but you can't live in that you can't live in that constant state um and then i would just say too like i really struggle with this and my solution is like i want to like create a career out of this or get involved in this in some way professionally. And so my first reaction reading this was like, maybe if you haven't considered it or if it's an option for you, I would consider like, you'd be a great candidate for finding a job in some field to do with activism, to do with, you know, politics, to do with legislation, like something like that. And that's only, you know, one effective way yeah and i think that there's ways to incorporate that into your career even if that's not the field you want to go into because i know for me absolutely artist like what the fuck am i going to do with legislation but like storytelling and media is such a crucial part mm-hmm. of how we understand history and how we understand these things and we take looks we take a reflective look at our own lives and our own behaviors by watching stuff like this um which is exactly what we're doing with the X-Files. And so like, there's so many, you could work like tangibly in legislation. You could storytell about, you can incorporate that into any realm of your life effectively. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, and I think it's accepting that, um, that process of incorporating this kind of activism into your life and like finding ways that makes it manageable for you to feel like you're not being crushed by this weight is not going to be a pretty process. Like there's definitely going to be days like yesterday. I truly had a day all day where I was like, I hate everything. I hate myself. I hate this world. And I don't want even want to look, I don't want to like, I want to close my windows and lay in the dark forever. And I did that for a few hours. And you know what? I woke up today and I feel much better today. So like, it's just, sometimes you have to sit in the discomfort and not fight it actively. Like it's okay to not feel good. Like, especially, especially in we're two days post coup attempt. Like, yeah, seriously. You you gotta be gentle with yourself. Like, and I think like, um, two, just, I I completely agree with you. Like there are so many avenues. If this was something that you wanted to get involved in on a, it just sound, it sounded to me like you genuinely want to do something like more, more fulfilling and more, have more of an impact than like what activism is available. Oh no, I did. I hope I didn't discredit that. No, 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 you didn't. I'm saying both are equally as valid, but I'm saying this person sounded like she, to me at least, was kind of like asking or maybe even just like from what I found out about this person just based on the context of their question like I totally get wanting to engage in an activism that is more fulfilling than the current ways that you are and the feeling of like wanting to do more um and look like activism is hard Um, it's long it's oftentimes very unfulfilling Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes amounts to little to no tangible result and yeah that I think is what's really hard about activism is the lack of tangible results a lot of the time totally it's like when you're dealing with that reality like when you're dealing with that reality 
along with the horror of these isms and of these phobias manifesting in or playing out in a society, along with the fact that they impact you directly as a queer woman and as a person of color, you, you ha- you've got a lot of weight hanging on you. Yeah. You have to just be gentle with yourself. You have so many um, oppressions coming at you alone. Mm-hmm. Like, and you deserve to enjoy things. Yeah. The, like the fight isn't going to stop in any of those realms because you take some time to for take yourself. care of yourself. Yeah. That, that, that in fact is an essential part of the work Absolutely. in order for it to continue. Absolutely. And if you are looking for a way to engage in activism that does give you a tangible result, because I know I struggle with that as well. Like I've, I talk about this and I post about it on the podcast, on the podcast Instagram account, but I'm part of the Friday fundraising collective where we raise money every week. And so you see that number, you see that number of money, uh, number of money. You see that amount, (laughs) Jesus Christ, you see the amount raised every week and you see it go to these organizations and the organizations send us um, like breakdowns of where this money is going to go. And that's a very tangible um, like pro to the activism that you're engaging in. And so if you're interested in joining that, I'll put it in the thread. Um, There's a really easy, like there's a a Google doc on the, on that account, on the Instagram account and that um, you fill out and then you can just join and then you can raise money on your Instagram or whatever social media you have, like make it work for you. If that's something that you'd be interested in doing. Totally. Um, And if it's not like what you're doing is enough. What you're doing is absolutely enough. It's just an option if you, if you wanted it, like it's not invalidating any work that you're doing whatsoever. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, just bringing it back to like doing what you can in the capacity that you can is just really important. Yeah, I agree. And that's it. That's it. (laughs) We did it. That was very impassioned to go us. That was very impassioned. And I think um, also like, I also think Stevie and I picked those because we figured um, coming off of like the holidays and the new year and just like with, I mean, consequently, I guess, with everything that ended up going on, the coup, the attempted coup um, in America, we figured that those two things might have been helpful, um, you know, coming away from maybe if you spent time with, you know, family or like older family members Mm -hmm. or you know, stressful situations that aren't necessarily very um, healthy to be in. And also just like what's happening right now, this is not a healthy state for anyone to be. No. So so it's really important to, I think, take the time to uh, like really cultivate a kind of protection around your time and energy and being very selective about when and how you engage with people like in politics and both in your life. Absolutely. And that's the podcast. This episode is over. And that's it. No, I'm kidding. We're going to start season two. I'll say it. Should we get into the episode? Yeah. Let's get into the episode. Okay. <laughs> this episode is called Little Green Men. And I really want to name this episode Little Green Bitches because I just thought I, I wrote season two bitches in my notes and I just kind of really like the way that Little Green I love that. Sounds. I think that's perfect. Let's start season two. All right. We open Woo. on blurry stars and a bad Mulder voiceover. <laughs> you know that they heard him do like just a few of these voiceovers and they're like, yeah, we're going to stick with just giving Jillian the dramatic stuff. Like, 
we'll just give that to her for the rest of the show. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. He's telling a story about the Voyager, which like had messages so that if a technologically mature extraterrestrial civilization were to come across it, they'd be able to decipher it. And it's like a, it's like a trailer for earth or whatever for aliens. And I think it's wild that we really did that. It's just funny that like he goes through the whole, this whole elaborate non-fictional monologue Mm -hmm about solar system and time and humanity and the faculty of space exploration and technology and then he says basically it all leads back to me (laughs) and how i and i alone can no longer find the answers because the x-files has been shut down that's so true he really does he literally like brings this whole world concept to being like i want to believe but the tools were taken away Season two opens with him whining. God, isn't that is isn't what I'm that hearing? Symbolic, <laughs> Jesus. So it's just really, it's just so. That was just such a funny opening. I know. It's so elaborate, and then he's just like, and it's all about me. <laughs> Hi, my name is Fox Mulder, <laughs> and my life, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> he literally thinks he's going. He thinks you know what it is. They're like. Jillian's gonna take an episode off because she's having a child like this is gonna be David's show he's like he's like ready for it he's like this is my season yitches and then it's not I oh my god okay I'm like two episodes ahead and I made that note did you I don't I think it was in the last yes I was like it is so clear that they want this is the show that they wanted to film yeah like this is the story they wanted it to be his story and they wanted it to be all about that's him. not what the people want and baby it's trash. It's trash it's so bad it's trash yeah. like oh my god we only love scully if that wasn't clear i only like to objectify him yep in the midst of his whining, um, we see a message come through this like abandoned transmitter. So it's like, maybe someone's trying to get in contact, whatever. Um, cut to Mulder in a motel in DC, eating seeds, transcribing some stupid conversation. Um, and then there's our baby teaching autopsy 101 at the academy. <laughs> and then she gets like real philosophical about this craniotomy and like her teacher, her students are like, are you okay? You sounded a little spooky. I <laughs> Okay, I have so many notes about this scene. I bet. <laughs> I have so many notes about this scene. One, um, Scully being in Quantico and like being so smart and so capable is probably the hottest thing I've ever seen. But it's really funny because she's like puny. She's so bitty. Yeah. She's like teaching this class. But anyways, like And then I just realized that, like, Scully's original villain story was an ultimatum between going to Quantico and exercising all of her intelligence and skill Mm -hmm. or going to an FBI basement and getting a husband. This is truly the other course that her life could have taken. But there also is something so sexy, like sex C, like the letter C, about scully being given the space to just like speak her truth and her science and be in charge and not be fucking questioned and and, like have a desk i don't know exactly (laughs) exactly and i also love this was like a really personal moment for me that there were women in the class because 
my head, like the woman who asks her if she's okay was me with every single female superior I've ever had. And then you're like, she, the woman who's like, are you okay? Is something wrong? Like that fucking was me with every female teacher I ever had. You're so precious. It's just gay panic. It's just like, I want to know you. That's so funny because with all of my female teachers, I definitely admire them, but in in a different way, clearly. Um, But like, I would just like covertly yep. write about my trauma in papers and then and then they'd call me into office hours and be like, are you good? <laughs> I'd be like, no, I clearly need That's someone so to talk funny. to. <laughs> clearly not. Clearly not. But then I also love when Scully starts having that existential crisis about like life and what it all means and like how the brain can hold so much like just mid-class and I just felt like that was very relatable and then the war flashback when this woman says spooky she's like she's like what did you say (laughs) what did you just say it's like this first x-files shutdown really has her existential like both of them. I know. But, but he always is dramatic like this. This like is Mulder, she gets used to it by then. <laughs> She's like, totally. Yeah, yeah, shut down. This entire episode is really just Mulder flying to Puerto Rico to record a love letter to Scully. I've I've That's realized exactly later in the episode. Yep. So she um end of the class. Oh my god, I forgot this scene is next. So she sees Mulder in the halls and it's like star-crossed lovers in high school hoping to meet by the locker. And she's like, What does she say? I know you know it. What does she say? Tell me. She says, good, after- good afternoon, Agent Mulder. Agent Mulder. And he fucking ignores her like the non-communicative emo boy he is. I hate this scene so much. Like that, um, that gift that I always send you of that kid screaming. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how this scene makes me feel. Like I just, the devil pulls a scream so deep from within me when I watch this scene. Mulder is a fucking child. He is. He's throwing a temper like, tantrum. He is a child. Why does he ignore for what's the reason? He's, what's the ooh, reason? Because he's mad. Like, and because when men are mad, they don't give a fuck about anybody else. It's so frustrating, right? Because she builds up the courage to say hi to him, knowing that every literally everyone else thinks he's a dud. Like they think he's so annoying and so stupid. But her high and her walking directly up to him and her saying good afternoon is like her way of saying, I'm not ashamed to know you and I'm not ashamed to work with you. And like, also, I'm not ashamed to love you, but like, and he fucking ignores her. Scully deserves so much better. It's not even funny. It's, it's not even funny. And like, maybe did he walk away from her because he's unable to process. Oh my God, get over it. And like, he's just a dick. Get over it go to a therapist and like then i was like well maybe at this point like her love for him just means nothing because he doesn't even know how to register like the reality of being loved which is not an excuse but that's what this feels like and it's something like so so love has basically an affection has become something that he can live without because he has for so long But, and like, this is not to make an excuse for him or anything. It's literally so toxic and Scully deserves so much better, but it's just helpful to know why and, and also understand why Scully deserves better. And so the way that he knows love is through neglect Mm. and it's Scully going up to him and showing up for him that reframes his understanding of love. 
but then that breeds a fear in her that like she's fallen this early on and then it seems to be one-sided like her fucking face when he walks away and ignores her oh my god it tore my heart out and it made me so angry but what i was gonna say is from her perspective she was okay with the fact that she really liked Mm -hmm. him but that his work meant more and she starts very clearly living off of the crumbs that he gives her and like in affection and in attention and in appreciation and love um and like hashtag daddy issues and the reason she looks so devastated is because like that's what her daddy issues intended (laughs) she goes after him later of course fuck i want to punch i want to punch Mulder in the face all the time and it's like i get that like these are very valid like emotional issues that he has but it explains his behavior. It doesn't excuse it because everybody has fucking issues and you have to work on them and you have to make an effort to make them better. Like you cannot just like exactly. fucking and abuse talk- the people around you that love you. Exactly. Like Scully's the only one in the show who's shown going to therapy. I know. Jesus. Anyways. So. So it's not like, it's not like it would fit with the plot. Yeah, I know. It's so fucked up. So he sits at his desk with his five o'clock shadow and looks at a picture of his sister for a bit. Scully put a sticky note on it, which I assume means that they want to meet. So cut to an abandoned parking lot. That's kind of hot. Um, Scully is waiting for Mr. Emo Alien Boy. So she's all simpy and is like, <laughs> from back there, you looked like him. Deep throat, your daddy. <laughs> like, she's like, your dad, like, remember, remember your dad who died? <laughs> okay, but we also need to talk about the fact that like spend at least 30 minutes to 30 years i'm very flexible talking about how at some point one they together discuss the fact that scully would go and put a sticky note on his picture of samantha and put it facing down on his desk if, if she wanted to talk to him and then just imagining scully doing that like going and leave like going into like the crowded office like his the whole room where all the desks were and like subtly trying to put a sticky note on a frame and like turn it down in a crowded office space like that's 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 so so cute cute. like looking around like you're right that's adorable i love that so much so he's very insistent that people are watching their every move and that it's not safe for them to meet and she's like bro no one is following us no one cares the x-files are shut down she's like baby where's your passion where's your fire like you don't seem like you anymore and then he just says this really long metaphor about a telescope that basically means that he's worried that everything he's been looking for has been a lie and um which is so stupid okay this whole part is so stupid because scully literally is like no one no one gives a shit about us anymore and he's like no babe everyone wants me (laughs) she's like no they don't she's like no one cares he's like only i want you leans in aggressively (laughs) yeah he wouldn't he would just ignore her so she's like dude you've seen a lot and he's like i need evidence dr scully i learned that from you and she's like um so then he's even questioning like his sister's abduction and he's really going through it and then scully says don't give up and i was like oh i also just love um like her capacity to love so so deeply i know it's just that's I'm, beautiful i just i'm in love with her like i'm in love with her if you oh didn't already God. know that yeah 
Last night, Stevie and I were sitting on FaceTime. It was about 4 a.m. for me, and I was just laying there, and I said, Stevie, I have a confession, and she was like, of course, because she's an amazing friend. She was like, please tell me. This is the space, and I said- <laughs> Took it really seriously. I'm in, I'm in love with Jillian Anderson. <laughs> and then I hung she up. She said- <laughs> what a revelation she said eat shit and then she hung up <laughs> i said eat shit bitch click anyways um, i don't know if you know this but like scully's capacity to love just really pulls at my heartstrings it's so beautiful can i say something about this moment yeah please i have very mixed feelings about this moment okay. and and just this general theme that seems to be a theme in the beginning of this season i went back and forth on it a lot um I don't like that Mulder's gaslighting himself and that Scully has to be the one to like rein him back in. Yeah. And it's very, very sweet and it's very, very um, uh, um, telling and a really strong insight into her capacity to love and how just deeply she cares for him. Mm. But at the same time, and that never changes. Like that is an element that's very much sustained throughout their professional and romantic relationship mm-hmm. that like, she's always rooting for him. Yeah. Even if she doesn't necessarily believe or think the same thing, she like believes in him. And that's genuinely all that, that all that matters. Yeah. And I think the reason that it frustrates me is because we never really see it reciprocated to the same extent where it's like, he allows her the space to believe what she wants, but he never genuinely um furthers her conviction in what she believes in the way that she does for him yeah and so this got me thinking just about like there hasn't been a moment yet where Mulder was like no Scully I believe in you Mm -hmm. you're so smart your science and your faith has led you this far like trust your gut essentially what I'm saying is like it's always I it's always trust my instincts Scully never trust your own instincts Scully and so then I think like um it's annoying that the woman has to save it's like this trope of like the woman who saves the man from himself yep I don't like that at all and I'm still trying to work through why I don't like that because I don't necessarily think that there's something wrong with supporting a partner. Well, there's there a difference isn't. between supporting and saving. And there's a difference between um, lifting somebody up who mutually lifts you up as well and sacrificing your own well-being to support somebody else, which is frequently what it is. And he doesn't Very reciprocate true. it. Like that's the crucial element. Which I think, yeah, I think that's ultimately my issue. And it's not that he never supports her because he definitely does later in the show, but it doesn't come until she's nearly taken away from him. And then that's about possession. Yeah, that's the point. It's not about supporting her as a person. It's about his possession over her. Like it's... Exactly. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that's fucked. Um, So so cut to a flashback. Wait, what? Wait, can I also talk about um, when she touches his head? Yeah, please. I just thought it was interesting how like he literally didn't react at all because he's just so numb (laughs) and he's so used to being alone that he just like goes completely still and like doesn't lean into her touch. Literally like he notices it because it just takes him a while to register, but he definitely notices it because he says, he says 
what he can't say physically he says it um in words mm-hmm. at the end of the episode yeah but it's just interesting to see how he responds to her touch yeah that was really interesting that's a good point i was so focused on how maternal she was being because um she's pregnant that i kind of was like frazzled by that okay well and it's also like <laughs> people have talked about this in the past and just like how Mulder's relationship with the women that he's dealt with with both his exes and also his mother mm-hmm. and um about how there's a point i can't remember if we've talked about this already but there's a point later on where Mulder's mom like raises her hand to hit him and he, he like, doesn't, doesn't flinch. flinch yeah so i imagine that touch even in that form, it's just something that he's numb to. Mm. And I'm sure that that's a big part of why he fell in love with Scully because she's so gentle. Mm. Yep. He's not special. No, no, no. But we can talk about this. We can, we can have something. We can enjoy this. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. So cut to um, a flashback of him and Samantha. This kid really looks like David. It was great casting. Um, and the mm. writing of this scene is so cringy. There's rumbling and a bright light and Samantha literally floats out of the window. The effects are rough and then Mulder wakes up all sweaty and it was a dream. Slenderman steals her. Oh yeah, it was it did look like fucking Slenderman. Slenderman is a guest star in this episode. Yeah. Comes later too. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. What a what a camera hog. Slenderman, you little devil. (laughs) I I I'm going to go back and look at the credits. I expect to see him in there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then somebody opens Mulder's door to his apartment and says, we're going to the hill. And then they go. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I had to, like, I literally paused and was like, did I take an edible? Did I, did I forget that I took something? No, I didn't. That's just what happens. He says... <laughs> get in loose get in loser we're going shopping literally um it was also a little too soon to be seeing capitol hill (laughs) oh oh i didn't even think about that well you watched this episode before yeah too soon too soon too soon okay but also i wish that they burn i wish that they burn that shit to the ground i don't give a shit no someone's gonna take the fall for burning that down it should be a bunch of white white supremacists who all have five brain cells combined um so then Mulder talks to a senator who's listening to Bach which Mulder knows okay and then I have a few things here so everyone everyone always has like in their fix and stuff Scully listening to classical music and Mulder listening to like rock but I think it's switched and this is my main piece of evidence right here anyways I agree. You know, have you noticed that people so do that? Too. They always have her listening to classical. And I'm like, no, she definitely listens to like some like, she listens to like, she screams to Joan Jett in her car on the way to work. She oh my God. Alanis Morissette, Alanis Morissette was, like, yeah. was Scully's soundtrack in 1997. The thing that I think that the music taste is like, I think Scully listens to classical because she wants to be that person but she just isn't <laughs> and so like she does it like the first time Mulder comes over or like she does it when her mom comes over or, like she does it when Bill mm-hmm. comes over but that really is just not who she is and she hates it so much and so eventually she just stops but she definitely wants to be that person but she that's just a really isn't. good that's a good assessment of it 
you know, you know, yeah. like when you listen to a song and you're like, no, I should like this. Like, oh, this should be my whole brand. I'm being, that's me with PJ Harvey. Like, I feel yeah. like I should love PJ Harvey's mu- music and it just doesn't vibe for me because she's an incredible But then you want to know something? Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, and I felt that way about a lot of the music that I now, that's now my favorite. So maybe I can see as Scully gets older, her having a greater appreciation appreciation. for classical music. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, she's definitely Alanis Morissette, Joan Jett. Totally. That's, that's her shit. Kate, Kate Bush, uh, Tracy Chapman. Oh, hell Yeah. yeah. Um, so the senator talks about the Voyager and Mulder's like, save it. I don't believe in aliens anymore. And then and then Mulder's like, I know I've let you down. You've supported me. And I'm like, have we met this man? <laughs> like, wait. I'm really enjoying watching you like talk how the scene went because this whole time I was just mentally examining Mulder's sleeping habits. And I was like trying to figure out like when this man sleeps, one mm. and two. Then I was like, so I really had no idea what they were talking about. So I'm like sitting here listening to You're you, like, like, wow, that happened. <laughs> I'm really intrigued. But what I was trying to figure out is like, which I'd love your opinion on. Mm. Um, do you think that when Mulder and Scully um, get together, like, do you think he can just like go all night, like, because he just never sleeps? Yes. Yeah. Or do you think, oh. or, 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 after they yes. fuck for the first time, like Scully is just so like her pussy is just so good that it just that's the thing that finally knocks him out and like his insomnia is cured. Mm. I think it's a mixture between the two. I think like in the beginning, she's like, Mulder, I need to go to bed. Like I cannot go again. And he's like, and she's like, Don't you ever sleep? And then he's like, looks into off into the distance. No, I never <laughs> And then they like have some pillow talk about it. And then eventually after a few times together, he falls asleep like behind her. And then she's like before she does. And she's all like, oh, he feels so comfortable enough what and happened? safe. Like he eventually feels, he eventually just feels safe enough. I think after some time, I think it's just a little bit of a process. Okay. I, I support that. Cause they I like, like talk it out a little bit. I like that theory. Yeah. So eventually her pussy is so good that it just puts him to sleep, but it, it, not right away. I think that they chat about it. I love that. I also love the, the, um, I apparently canon idea that Scully can sleep anywhere. That's, I just love that. I, I love, love that, that little detail about her. Anyways. So no, so no. Yeah. We haven't seen this man no. ever. And he's like, I know I've let you down. You've supported me. Like that's a literal line that he says. And I'm like, who is this new white man that I don't know? Like, you know what I noticed? You know what I noticed in, in I think the third episode that I watched and this scene now I realize falls into that category mm-hmm. is that they are so they fall so short of anything intriguing and any plot that's intriguing, any scenery that's intriguing without Jillian being able to be present as she was in the first season, that there are so many filler scenes that are so dragged out and so unimportant. I noticed that. So boring. Yeah. Oh my God. And it's literally just because Jillian at this point was, was, you know, far into far enough in her pregnancy where she couldn't be in she as many doing scenes these as she had yeah. done in season one and like and it's they don't know how to write for just one person because the show hinges on their dynamic 
it can't just be about him, even though that's what they wanted. They can't. Sorry. Um, like, he hikes for so long in this episode. So long. Like, <laughs> I fast-forwarded. I was like, you can only look so hot. Your hair is bad. It's not even keeping my interest. I know. So then I guess, like, him and the senator are being listened to, so they get all close and personal. And he says that Mulder has to get to some radio telescope in Puerto Rico because a transmission has come through, and he has 24 hours before the UFO retrieval team shows up, and they will use terminal force. And Mulder asks what he's looking for, and then the man, like, gets up behind his ear. And gets behind him. Behind yeah. him, and then goes up, like, next to his ear and goes, yeah. contact. And it's erotic. Like... <laughs> It's so erotic. Yeah. I was like, whoa, guys. <laughs> it's ice, ice vibes for sure. Oh, yeah. But between Mulder and the senator, and I, like, if someone wants to write a fic about that, yeah. I'll read it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, same. <laughs> I'll read about the affair. Mulder slept his way to the top. This is evidence of it. <laughs> this is uh, like, I, if someone, if it came out that they had sex at some point, like, I would not, I would believe no. you. That could be a fun theory is that Mulder has slept with all of his, um, his inside scoops contacts yeah yeah i believe it right um okay anyways i like i believe it yeah Yeah. to skinner listening to a tape of him asking scully where Mulder is with sigman and because Mulder has disappeared off to puerto rico and didn't show up for his assignment and of course they fucking leave it up to her to find him like cigarette smoking man is like she'll find him let her fucking worry and figure it out like we don't have to do any work here god um and then (laughs) also this this scene just reminded me of how horrible of a villain cigarette smoking man is. He's just so he's so annoying. He's like he is so obnoxious. You know what he fucking reminds me of? He's like one of the hyenas in Lion King. Like that's the kind of villain he is. He's like the stupid hyena that keeps like chewing on its yeah, own. Paw. The dumb one. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. So cut to Mulder in Puerto Rico looking okay I'm sorry I I'm so angry at men today but I have to talk about it he's looking very sweaty in a jean jacket with a five o'clock shadow I literally said Mulder's in Puerto Rico in a denim tuxedo and five o'clock shadow yeah and that's all that's important so he hikes for a while like a while a while he finds this radio tower like he breaks in, but like it was really funny when he pulled the pliers out of his backpack I because know. like they're industrial sized pliers. They definitely and I just fit. like kind of found myself. Yeah, I found myself like fantasizing about like what else was in his bag. Oh, fun! And it's like, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? What was it? Was it? Oh, fucking wow! I'm an idiot. Fucking Mary Poppins. How she pulls out <laughs> things from her bag that like, are way no too way big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. That's my favorite thing. That was like what the pliers were. But then I was like, okay, so he like imagining him like leaving for this trip, and he's like, okay, I got my pliers. I got my water. I have my voice giant recorder. flashlight. Um, it might have my giant flashlight, and then like, oh, and then I have my picture of Scully. And then he like tucks it in the back. <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> and so he breaks in and he finds the transmitter and it's like all whirring. Whirring. Whirring? It's whirring. It's going, that's what it's doing. Um, oh, yeah. And so then, so he finds that, whatever. That's a way too long of a scene for just that happening. So cut yeah. to Scully at Mulder's apartment. She's listening to his voicemail and some woman is mad that she blew him off. And I just love that Mulder can have a casual sex life. Teehee, so fun. Well, it's like, I don't know what was less surprising. Mulder flaking 
um, on a woman or Scully getting annoyed that he'd planned to have lunch with someone with tits who wasn't her. <laughs> it's true. Um, also, like, Mulder definitely does not meet women for lunch. No. Like, he doesn't know any other woman except Scully. Well, it sounded, honestly, that woman sounded like she could work for a hotline. <laughs> totally. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he doesn't so know any other women. Yeah. So, of course, poor, poor baby Scully is worried because Mulder doesn't fucking communicate. So, she's looking at his computer and she guesses his password, which is trust no one, which is ironic since Deep Throat said that to her, but whatever. I would also just like to say... um jillian anderson um being touched by sunlight oh yeah we can put some stills of that scene here if you want (laughs) like the trench coat her pink her lips are so pink they're so perfect and (sighs) the wire rim glasses like oh my god if i had to be buried and like i could see one last thing i would want to see scully in her wire rim glasses like and then i can just be then you can just take me out then rest in peace (laughs) then rest in pussy baby (laughs) and you're fucking beanie you're like a feminist fuck boy (laughs) so she finds um the coordinates and she and just as she's about or like the whatever like paperwork on his computer that's going to lead her to where he is and just when she's about to grab them um these men come into the apartment and so i think it's really funny that these men see this paper that she immediately acknowledges important and they throw it away like i wish men would go extinct mm-hmm. She then spills the fish food and, and then yells at them for telling her to dump it in the tank because it's bad for the fish. And she is um, for animal rights. Uh, yeah, like Scully is not taking shit from men. She's not letting them boss her around and she's not letting her, them kill her friend's fish. Yep. Good for her. That's for damn sure. Stand her goddamn yeah, ground. Yeah, and good for her. Um, I just thought, I just thought, I had, a, I had a thought when I was watching this scene and it was that these two dudes come in right and like this would have been the perfect opportunity to tell for scully to tell them that her and Mulder were together right like yeah. imagine this right like oh, picture the scene. Yeah, yeah yeah these guys would have been so repulsed by a woman having a sex drive that they would have just left like if scully had been like yeah i don't really know like i came here for my dick appointment and like he was gone so I just got on the computer and like I was just going to take care of myself. <gasps> wink, wink. And then they would have been like, okay, ma'am, have a good day. Oh my God. See, that's like, that's some Stella Gibson shit. Just like her sitting on her desk being like, oh, I came for sexual intercourse. I <laughs> that is such a Stella move. Oh my God. Holy. Oh, I can't think about that scene right now. Okay, okay. sorry. Let's move on. Okay, so um, she... But am I right or am I right? No, you're fully right. They'd be like, and then they'd leave. <laughs> they would have just ran out. They would have been like, okay, ma'am, have a nice day. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so then she, like, gets the important paper out of the trash and leaves. Because um, she's fucking stealthy. Like, qu- good. And I... Yeah, like, good quick thinking on her part. I will give her that. Yeah. Just not quick enough. Yeah, she's amazing. But still good. Still but good. still good enough. Still perfect. Just as effective. Mm-hmm. Just different avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, so cut okay. back to Mulder. Very sweaty. Um, playing with the worm machine. This would... Um, this look would kill me if his hair was better. 
But then he leaned back mm. and I couldn't see his hair anymore. And I could just see his five o'clock shadow neck and whoop. I, I did see that. Yeah. Anyways. The amount of times that David Duchovny in this show has put his head back oh. and extended his neck. Okay. So many times with just an open mouth as well, for some reason. It's his go-to. God, why couldn't I have been a whore in the 90s? I mean, I could have whored with him. Instead, I was an embryo. <sighs> I'm so sorry. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, my, my, if you didn't see my tweet, my uncle apparently was on the set of Playing God with David Duchovny and just, you know, like had lunch with him and like hung out. Oh my God. Anyways, um, he finds. You brought up the Stella Gibson scene. Fuck you. That's payback. Okay, Okay. we're even. So he finds a man very traumatized and upset in the bathroom. This man only speaks Spanish, and his name is Jorge. And the entire interaction is Mulder trying to talk to him is so fucking cringy. So it's very cringy, and also he says that he doesn't understand English, and then Mulder just keeps talking to him in English, and somehow Jorge understands. So. Jorge's really doing pulling out all the stops here. Mulder's not any help. Um, so like Mulder isn't understanding, so Jorge just draws an alien face. That's what he's trying to tell him. Whatever. Scully, mm-hmm. um, cut to Scully. Uh, she brought the document to some science guy who says it's the it's the wow signal. Um, and then explains that uh the wow signal is like a signal coming from somewhere in space and that it's not from us, and apparently it's the best evidence of extraterrestrial life. But what Scully has is better than that. So then we see Scully trying to figure out where the transition came from. And I want to give you a minute to talk about her lips here. Okay, so um <laughs> that was it, huh? <laughs> that was it. And I just wanna say Jillian Anderson is so like just so so stunning in just every way beautiful every single conceivable way that you can think of for beauty jillian anderson embodies it and like her lips here oh my god i know i literally the second i saw it come up on the screen i was like i'm gonna need to give her a minute they're so they're so swollen and like (laughs) don't cry she looks so beautiful. I like her hair and the glasses again, the round wire glasses, oh. her like purpley grayish eyeshadow, her fucking shoulder pads. I just want everyone to know it is season two and I am still just as ready to propose to this woman. And that's it. I like her lips, just her lips, her lips, her lips. Her lips. Maybe that should be That's the episode. Her lips. Her lips. <laughs> her lips. Her lips. Her lips. So I um am Ooh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so I forgot Emily's doing this new thing where anytime she gets um <laughs> overwhelmed by Jillian Anderson's beauty, she's gonna start singing the Hannah Montana transition. Anytime I get capital T, capital H, too horny for Jillian Anderson, I just start singing the Hannah Montana transition noises. Yeah, yeah. Melodies. Yeah, yeah. Her lips. Okay. On her face. Yes. Oh, Jesus Christ. So I'm not sure it 
at all how she realizes this, but somehow looking at these weird names, she realizes that Mulder's in Puerto Rico. Like, I really have no idea what the connection yeah. was. <laughs> like, I, st- starting there and this whole airport scene is very unclear. Yeah, I got a little bit of the airport scene. So, okay, so this cuts to Mulder and Jorge. Mulder's documentation and um, Jorge's looking around and Mulder says, and I quote, no ho on the rojo. And honestly, listeners, if you want to stop watching the show because of just that, I, I wouldn't blame you. Like, <laughs> we support, support you. you. 100% we support so you. So the tape machine starts playing the Voyager track. Jorge freaks out and runs out into the storm. Mulder goes looking for him and finds him dead. Literally looks like he was scared to death. Cut to Scully looking fabulous in an mm-hmm. airport. I don't know why, but like her watching the people behind her through her like makeup mirror is really personal to me. Like, that's some queen shit. Yeah, it 100% is, and it's extra personal for me because my dear friend Ani got was my secret Santa, and she got me a compact mirror so that I could be Dana that's Scully really and live out my Dana Scully dream. Oh, that's adorable. Isn't that yeah. so cute? Um, I know. So she's like a little spy I know, girl. I love – really my favorite cute. thing is watching Scully be undercover, like my favorite thing ever. Um, so the me people too. who are following her make it really obvious that they're following her, which made me laugh. Like they're real bad at it. So obvious. Um, and so she calls Mulder and leaves yeah. a message saying false information because she knows people will be listening. She's a smart cookie and then she loses them. Right. Right. I got that. But like, didn't they find it a little suspect that like she just called Mulder and recited a bunch of numbers? I think that they're assuming that she's working with him. And so that like he's checking his voicemail or something and like going to be like right. waiting to get to num- the numbers of the plane that he needs yes. to get or whatever yours that's exactly it i was like maybe because i thought about that and i was She's like, like maybe one they- two three four five six that's what i mean nine and i thought maybe she would have she would have called and been like hey molder it's me um uh, your girlfriend um <laughs> just kidding unless so She's like, we should talk about that here's <laughs> we'll talk about that when you get home here's my flight information um i'll see you in a little bit okay xoxo <laughs> but now that makes sense because i think they're assuming that she's working with him um that makes sense so i don't know how that pregnant baby got up those stairs so fast but she did and she loses them and she buys another ticket to where she's actually going so um <laughs> she just like <laughs> She booked it. I was like, pregnant, pregnant baby. What? Did I miss something? <laughs> and then a pregnant infant walks around. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like imagining this little baby like ascending the stairs. So um, cut to Mulder dramatically not knowing what day it is. He's like, it's, Mulder? Okay. He's like, it's 10 p.m. on. It's 10 p.m. It's 10 p.m. <laughs> He's such an idiot. Like, what was his plan once he got there? He's he didn't have completely one. Completely delirious. He has no water. He has no food. He's about to do an autopsy. Like, he really just He's packed his without muscle her. tank and like <laughs> called it a fucking day. He's like, I got my muscle tank. I got my pliers. Let's go. He like definitely tried <laughs> on that shirt, and he was like, <laughs> he's just flexing in the mirror. Yeah, this will look so tight. Yeah, this will look sweet. <laughs> so stupid. This is totally 
jungle attire. He's like, I'm a man. I don't need food. Men don't need food. Yeah, I don't need any protective covering of my skin at all. Because like, I'm a man. So um, he's like, ta- he's talking to Scully on this tape. And he's like, my God, Scully. It's like he's been frightened to death. <laughs> happy you found that funny that's really funny so he rambles on and on like that (laughs) none of it's important (laughs) and he's really mad because he doesn't know what's real and then i'm just annoyed because this whole speech is to her and how he can only trust her and like if that's true why didn't he bring her on the case because it was better if she stayed behind because then he could miss her whatever maybe he knew he would die that's why like all the other stuff doesn't make sense and he literally <laughs> what <laughs> and he oh that's fun that is what i said okay sure. anyways sorry. and he literally and he was making the recording for scully to find mm-hmm. because he knew she would come after him so that she could like so say that was the case but then he was like well i'll make the recording because if i die she'll find it but like ideally i know she'll come after me so she'll either save me or she'll find the tape and she'll be able to continue the quest for the truth alone. Which, like, doesn't really make sense why he didn't just bring her along because Would have solved all you. the problems. But it also does speak to the confidence that he has in her that, like, yeah. he knew she would come. It just, he didn't know if he would be there. That's true. And so the tape would be there. That's and. True yeah but that's pretty cute yeah but then the next thing he says is they've taken you away from me and i'm gonna stop you there fox she's not yours <laughs> therefore she yeah. cannot be taken away from you and here we fucking go on the scully's mind if anything happens to my favorite toy i'm throwing a fit journey that is all of the first half of season two mm. so then the rumblies mm. begin there's lots of lights. It's all very remnant of his memory of Samantha's abduction. The top machine whirs. There are voices, a bright light, and boom, he passes out and wakes up, and Scully's there. The vibes in this episode are, like, off the charts. I know. Great vibes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, really great um, great um, uh, screen caps. Like, so many moments that you could capture that are just, like, wow, that is so... Like, so vibe. Like, yeah. just great vibes. Yeah, Just I great agree. vibes. I'm with you. Um... I think my favorite bit that makes me laugh but also squeal is him being like, they were here. And she goes, here or here? And she touches his head. I literally, I literally like melted and like seeped through the cracks in my chair when she said, when she said that. I know. And like, I'm sorry. She's so turned on by him sweaty and dirty and insane and she hates herself for it. Absolutely. 100%. Because it's like. She's like, when you go, like, this is a Dana Scully tweet. Ready? Yeah. When you go to rescue your alien boyfriend in the middle of nowhere and you start unnecessarily touching each other and breathing all heavy and sweating, like, are we about to kiss right now? (laughs) She's like, no, just me? Anybody else? No? Like, we could kiss, but, like, we won't. But, like, we could, like, are we? (laughs) Poor Dana Scully brings, like, eight pairs of underwears on a two-day trip with him. Uh, totally she's like side-eyeing him she's like are we gonna are we like are we she's like what are we gonna do right now like are we gonna he's like like seizing on the floor (laughs) stop (laughs) he's like literally convulsing and she's like oh my god what is this what does this mean what is she's like wait i thought we were gonna kiss (laughs) 
So truly, again, Gully's capacity to love the way she touches him. So gentle. Truly the most genuine, sweetest, purest thing I've ever seen in all of my years of life. And he does not know how to one for the history books. Yeah, it's true. No, he literally he literally breaks her arm. Did you see that? He's like, don't fucking touch me. she puts she puts her hand on his head and he like fully breaks her arm at at her elbow. I know. It's true. And she so, and then like the breathing just gets heavier. Oh, and then I also wanted to talk about just like which is relevant in a bit, but like um also relevant now and that's just like how they use touching as like a form of grounding for each other because Mulder is so not used to being loved again yeah he's so not used to accepting affection that like the shock of it from Scully grounds him as if it's like a shock like it's like it's a electro shock where it's like it pulls him flat back down onto his feet even if it's only for a second which is like it is here Mm -hmm. And it's, like, a sense of, like, equalizing the reality of, like, them in front of each other, despite the fact that they're surrounded by so many unexplainable and so many supernatural things. It's, like, the fact that they are able to touch each other is, like, a form of, like, okay, like, this is... You're grounded. You're here. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it's, like, hear me out here. I clearly don't fucking think they're platonic, right? Right. But touching like that in platonic relationships can be so powerful. Like that would be such an effective thing for two partners to do for each other when experiencing shit like that. Totally. Like I don't and think I it's their touches me... that. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say like you sent me that TikTok of that girl being like, if someone put a gun to my best friend's head and mine and told us that we had to spoon or we would die, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do it. Like, what? It's just, like, so fucking weird. Oh, my God. Like, fucking romanticize your platonic relationships. It's the best thing you'll ever do. Seriously. Like, uh, when we were- thing that I sent you. Yeah, we should. Because when you and I were together, we were, like, starfishing on each other constantly. Literally, just, like, intertwined. Yeah. And you don't have to be an affectionate person, but you don't have to, like- There's a good balance, I think. But it doesn't- It's not weird. Like, I don't- it's not weird and i think too like like if it's something that like you're resisting then maybe take a look like, at that why, why yeah yeah even when they weren't like romantic i think that how much touching they do is yeah. just like i think it's very much a form of like and i think too like in the revival there's a moment where when Mulder like comes through the door and she's holding a gun to him she like grabs his holds his chest and then she holds his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a very good example of like her grounding being like, him. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. And it's like that's just not too. exactly. It's like that's not inherently romantic. It's a love language. And then they Absolutely. just also are romantic. But I don't think that the touching just happen like what means it. I just think it that's like an, it's just part of their thing. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> So then more rumblies happen and this time it's the military. And the one thing with this show that like I fucking agree with is fuck the military. Like that sh- this oh, absolutely clear stance on that and I'm with them. Um and it's anti-military. Yeah. But I also love in that scene before how Scully literally goes Scully really says what I was thinking 
so many times in this episode one the first one being um no one cares about us anymore why do you think that people give a shit if we talk to each other (laughs) and the second one being when she goes evidence is worthless if you're dead hun literally literally (laughs) this scene before she like pulls him out of the out of the thing i wrote that my favorite one was that she's like bro we can't bring jorge's dead body on a plane let's go She's like, we can't smuggle a dead body out of the country. What are you talking She's about? Like, let's just go grab his body. God. Um, so then he tries to take a tape, and then they run and they start firing at their car. And something that I find fun in this is that like the cars all like bouncing everywhere, right? And they're driving away. It's like a chase. And Scully ducks down mm-hmm. right away, and then he has his hand on her. And it's because Jillian's not in the car mm-hmm. for that filming. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, because she definitely wouldn't be in that bumpy car being that pregnant. So that's why she disappeared so quickly. Does she actually just like, whoop? Like right away. She, she ducks like, right down. Yeah. out of camera. Exactly. She ducks right oh down. God, and then the so rest, funny. like you see like her, her silhouette, which I'm assuming is probably a body double. And then you see like a very specific God. angle of her where you can't see the background or anything. So it probably wasn't a moving car. I was going to say, and they're not even bouncing like at yeah, all. Exactly. Um. I kind of liked the scene because um, it's like it reminded me of like a Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, totally! Love, but like they're but like they're the good guys. Yeah. So back to Skinman's office. He's yelling at Moldy. He's mad. Like Mulder's mad at Skinner because he feels like his dad ab- abandoned him. So yep. Skinner then Loki yells at Cigarette Man because Cigarette Man kind of like oversteps and yells at Mulder, and he tells so Skinner tells Cigarette Man to get the hell out. And I was like. Oh, so there's like lots of ego floating around here and I don't really know what to make of it all and I don't really care. Um, so then Mulder gets all. no consequences, of course, because he's just a straight white man and he goes back to his world boring surveillance. Uh, cut to Mulder and Scully listening to the tape he took and all the evidence is gone. No one's surprised. And he goes, I still have my work. I still have you and I still have myself. And like, um, okay, wait, wait, but there's a long pause between... I still, I still have, have you, you. And, yeah. and I still have myself. The look on her face was like, oh my God. <laughs> she literally came, I think. A little I th- bit, she, like a little mini one. She was ready for him right there in that moment. He fucked it up. Absolutely. And then like he, after he says, I still have you, it's so funny how he legitimately cannot look her in the eyes. I and know. you can just tell. She's like he's looking down at the machine and he's like, oh my God, she's staring at me. What are her eyes saying? Like, does she want me to kiss her? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> oh, oh my God. Like, how do you show oh affection to me? <laughs> Who loves me back? And like, I love her. But like, what is a salty discharge like coming from my eyes? Like, oh my God, I want to marry her. Like, maybe I want to marry her. And, she, and then he's like, keep it together. Oh my God, was that too much? Like, did that freak her out? And then he adds, I, I still have myself. She's like, I need okay. a minute. Um, so then they hold hands for a second. She goes to leave and they share a really long, longing look before she finally leaves. And it's the end of the episode. That was like, that, that scene was a marriage proposal until he added the last bit. Yeah. Well, that scene was a sex scene. Let's be real. Like that's what the, they were yeah. making slow, sweet love to each other in that scene absolutely and he's like i'll make it about me too so she doesn't know i'm in love with her and she's like i know <laughs> mean yeah meanwhile scully's like looking back up with him looking back up at him like oh my god he loves me i know 
I also just want to say too, like this episode felt very monumental. It did. It was a lot of subtle ways, mm -hmm. like a lot of very obtuse ways as well. Yeah. Well, their dynamic changes immensely from the uh, totally like this. The the last episode, the last season, and this episode is like a really big transitional point for their dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I think too, there was a um, post on Tumblr about one of the scenes. I don't actually remember which scene, but some scene in this episode. And someone's tags, I'll find who it was, but someone's tags were so perfect. And I just wanted to read them because I think it's just oh such God, a good um, comparison. Please. So they said, God, I'm so insanely obsessed with this episode. Same. <laughs> all the implications in the subtext, like her little monologue in Rain King, it's all about the realization of going from a friend to a kind of platonic soulmate in a sense. Like the romantic stuff comes for her later, but I think this whole episode, there's a shift from where she sees him as a friend to a kind of platonic companion. It was definitely too early for Scully to come to terms with the romantic kindred spirit stuff, but I think she is sort of having the realization that she needs and wants him by her side on a deeper level than, on a deeper level than just coworkers who are also friends. She mm. genuinely wants to spend time Time with him and being separated from each other and the X-Files is her realization that she appreciates and likes him more than she wants to, even if she at that moment is still probably interpreting it all as platonic. That kind of shift is still important. Friendship in general is so important. So it's just interesting to analyze how their friendship unfolds because that's what they are before anything else is friends. And this whole episode is them realizing that Scully being like, I'd consider it more than a professional loss and Mulder saying she's the only reason I can think of to stay. That's beautiful. People are so smart. I know. And that's so true in this ending scene or, and, and rather the scene where, um, where Scully goes to Mulder, where she rescues him. It's like, it's Mulder's reckoning that his quest for the truth is kind of worthless unless he has her to share it with. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's incredible. God, people's brains. I know. And I think too, like, which is also, I think, present, which I mentioned earlier, like in this season is like Scully bringing Mulder back because in this episode, like one, in the very beginning, he's like, I don't, I lost my passion. Like I'm gaslighting myself. Like did my sister's abduction really happen? Mm -hmm. And then also later on, we see him like literally ready to die in pursuit of the truth. And it's quite literally Scully who says, like, you can't, you have to be alive to get to the truth. Yeah. Like, the evidence and the proof will come. But it's, like, until until it does, like, I need you and, I'll, and I'm here with you. And I think he somewhat realizes that in the last scene, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, this is a really big transitional moment for them. I don't think I realized before. All right, should we do Jillian's corner? So we got requested to do um, an okay stop to the new Jillian Anderson. What is it even? I'm not British. I don't know. I think M&S is like a grocery store. Yeah, and she like did a voiceover for the advertisement. I'm, British people, please don't yell at us. We don't know. We don't know anything. Yeah, please. We're simple, stupid Americans. <laughs> This is the M&S Christmas food advertisement. Okay. That someone, that someone has warned me. Have you watched it yet? requested it. 
I've wa- I watched it right when it came out, which was a, quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't really remember. Yeah, this one's for you, babe. Let's go. Hey. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only 30 seconds, so I might just let it go. Anyways, okay. here we go. Oh, hello, you scrummy little things. Our best ever. Okay, we're going to have to stop. <laughs> okay. You're faced with the ooh. <laughs> You got to start it over. We got to go from the top. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen Emily's face. <laughs> Ooh. Who is this? Oh, hello, you scrummy little things. Our best ever pigs and blankets with maple cured bacon. Okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make fun of rags on Okay, first of all, like, Jillian <laughs> is not British. She's not British. You can't do this I just blew out my mic. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Oh, what's funny is that this person who recommended this thought that this was really going to fuck Emily up, but it is in a really different way because Emily really despises the bad British accent. I just, like, okay, that little, like, ooh, and, like, the fact that her voice is as smooth as butter and it's, it's so low, deep. yeah um is really doing something for me but the british accent one is just throwing me off and two like why is her voice so smooth like i feel like they put some like auto-tuned filter oh, sure. on because like this like she's smoked for so long <laughs> like this is not how smooth her voice her voice has never been this smooth all right should we continue? yeah let's go most delicious meal of the year collection perfect turkey crown draped with applewood cured bacon bursting with pork and cranberry stuffing and a gravy bomb for all those incredible flavors now that is a crown fit for a queen this is not just christmas food this is MS christmas food <laughs> the birth that was so painful the bursting really got me that was really erotic description of food, especially because I can't see anything that's happening. It's like, oh. It was so erotic, but like describing the worst food. <laughs> I think I really thought that there were no bounds to the power this woman had over me, but I think I found it. And it's that advertisement. It's that advertisement. You know it. It's good to you've just learned something really important about yourself today. I'm proud of you. The next one that I picked out because Stevie and I decided that we were just going to collectively pick weird advertisements that Jillian has done. So the first one that I picked is um, a commercial that she did for electricity. Oh my God. <laughs> for E N E C N Z, mm-hmm. which I don't know what that is. A TV commercial about electricity. So let's go. I've never seen control like this before. The egg seems to exist in two parallel dimensions one raw, one cooked. It appears that only the pan is heated. The elements themselves remain cool. Okay, stop. Is she marveling over how an oven works? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> Okay, first of all, it's a stove. Okay. Uh, you cook eggs on a stove, well, Stevie. What's the difference? Secondly, it's like it's it's, it's the oven, the an thing. oven you put something into. 
No, an oven. No, an <laughs> oven. You put that's the that's the door. She's talking about ele- an electric okay. stove. Or were those new so then? There's no Have flame. Has not been around? I apparently. Oh, okay. Apparently, it I was new. No. Okay, let's ready. go. Me, me either. Electricity. You hear that? You believe in electricity. It's really funny because she looks directly into the camera when she says what a that. slogan. As it, she like knew that electricity was going to be like the next up and coming. Electri- yeah. <laughs> electricity. Believe in it. Believe in it. <laughs> next one is a Roy Rogers oh my God. slash Hardee's commercial. <laughs> this is my favorite one. Roy Rogers? Never heard of it. This is, I think this is actually maybe my favorite piece of media Jillian has yeah, ever maybe, done. Yeah, maybe this should be called the Roy Rogers Files instead. Like, Streetcar? I don't know who that is. What the fuck is. was that? Did you see the Roy Rogers commercial she did? Oh, who boy. What kind of shoes do you wear? Pumps. I can't wait to meet you. There's um, a Roy Rogers on Main. Maybe they're at six. I'll be in a red convertible. Bye. Aww. Soon, Roy Rogers will become Hardy's. We're keeping Roy's delicious chicken and adding breakfast biscuits. <laughs> Is there a Roy Rogers around here? Roy Rogers? It'll seem confusing at first. Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I love that so much. Oh my god, I love Shoot, it so much. Pumps. Pumps. <laughs> Bye. She's so cute. Yeah, I just have such a that that advertisement holds such a special place in my heart. From the red lipstick in the shower <laughs> to her long ratty hair. I just I love everything. Never heard of it. <laughs> okay, next one is a PETA advertisement. Fuck PETA. It's her as Bedelia with her leg, just so you know. Eating meat. It's a matter of taste. Okay, stop. All right. <laughs> the way she said, the way she said m- meat, <laughs> there was no, the T was, uh, if someone dropped a pin, you wouldn't be able to hear mm-hmm. the T in me. And so it just sounds like eating she's saying me. eating yes. meat. Also, I don't know like what this dress was made of, but her boobs. It's unreal. It's un- they must be taped like under. They're definitely yeah. taped, but like wow, it's incredible, How right? Amazing. What so did they just technology. like jump on the set of Hannibal this day, and they're like, oh, we're also going to do a PETA campaign like while we're here? I okay. guess. That is kind of, I really am unsure. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. I feel like- So it pans down. (laughs) It pans down to show what what happens at the end of Hannibal when Bedelia has her leg all wrapped up and like presumably it's her leg that's been cooked and is right and so the whole thing is that like eating meat it's a matter of taste like that's gross but I feel like they 
really misread their audience with this one. <laughs> because I don't think Absolutely. that's going to deter any of her fans from eating pizza. I mean... <laughs> That was a gross miscalculation on their part. Here's here's the here's the um the field report. Okay, here's your results mm-hmm. from one viewer. I don't know what the purpose of that ad is. I know it's to stop eating meat. I don't quite understand. Like I my brain is a little frazzled, but like listen, I'm gonna do whatever she tells me to do. <laughs> Literally, I am vegetarian, and that didn't. But like her suggesting that like eating eating her, her? I mean that doesn't set you know it's not my worst Wednesday night. Let's just put it that (laughs) way. Okay, this one is about getting a this is about getting a mammogram. Millions of women are alive today because they were smart. They got a mammogram. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Be smart and get screened. Busy. Make the time. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> the editing in this video is immaculate. Like when, they, when they did busy, they cut to her face closer and on the other side of her, make the time. <laughs> make the time. <laughs> no excuses here. <laughs> Worried about the cost? Don't be. <laughs> okay. All right. Fuck. All right. <laughs> All my excuses are totally debunked now. Busy? Make, make the time. time. Well, fuck, okay. Okay, I guess. Okay. This month, WebMD and its partners, Tenet Health and Health South, are providing free screening mammograms. To learn more or to sign up, <laughs> go to WebMD. Be smart, get screened. <laughs> I feel like that lazy bitch has been so bad about getting her own mammograms. Don't yell at me. Oh, absolutely. She was definitely like recording that and being like, holy shit, I haven't gotten a mammogram. I should go get my mammogram. (laughs) Busy? She's like, oh my God, someone hold a mirror up in front of me. (laughs) I have an actual question about breast health. When Mm -hmm. are you supposed to start getting mammograms? I actually don't know. Um, But... Maybe that that probably should have been in that probably should have been in the advertisement. I know, really ineffective. <laughs> um, and that is the episode. Wait, wait, wait! I'm gonna look this up. Unless, unless you want to know when you should start getting mammograms, because Jillian Anderson's campaign was a flop, like forty-five to fifty. That's what I thought. I thought it was a a, a while. Okay, but you should do self exams all the time. I know how to do that. Yep. Maybe we can include. Maybe we could include a little exam yeah. template. Yeah, let's do it. That's the word. Yeah. All right. We love that because the Jillian Anderson's bre- mammogram campaign just yelled at me. Didn't teach me anything. <laughs> Didn't teach me anything. She just yelled at me. And I got to say, I enjoyed every second of it. <laughs> On that note, thanks for listening to our first episode back of season two. We missed you. That was so fun. That was so fun. We missed you so much. And we'll see you next time on The Sex Files. The Sex Files. Bye! Okay, bye! (laughs)